Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So, Stephen, how have you spent your your first week without Cleveland Indians baseball? It's been pretty rough. Um the temperature in the Cleveland area where I live and some listeners live, I'm sure is uh, brutal. It's about 50 and gray and rainy every day. Um, the Indians, when they were still playing, had some beautiful weather. People were getting sunburned. Uh, so it's gotten dreary. The same thing happened back in 2016. As soon as they lost, the weather got dreary. So I know you can't relate to that down in Florida, but no. you have the more inside grayness than the outside. Yes, yes. The, my sadness inside is uncontrolled and unmatched by the weather outside, which happens to be still sunny, still in the 90s just about every day, as it will be until probably December, at which point it might drop down to the 70s. It's Rough. A big if. There's, the beautiful part about Florida is it's below 50 degrees maybe three days out of the year. Yeah, so. it's below 50 here every day, but it's, I mean, as soon as they lost, I, I mean, I don't know about you, um, that first game... I had the faith, obviously, because it's the first game. We were on our last episode, for those who listened, know that we were almost laughing, being like, oh, the Indians versus Verlander and Keuchel. Talk about easy victories. Well, it turns out Justin Verlander has had a resurgence in Houston. Um, Garrett Cole's a star pitcher, and Keuchel, still good. How wrong we were. <laughs> I mean, it was, like, optimistically wrong. There was no, like, analysis to back it up. It's agonizing, too, because I'm... You know, I'm with friends that are fans of the Yankees. The, the Red, I mean, obviously the Yankees are out too, but they, you know they were alive for a couple more days after the Indians were. And I mean, yeah, it's. I felt like we were overly optimistic, maybe, but you know, what's was what a fan if not optimistic? I mean, yeah, we're not going to predict them to lose. Yeah, it's not like you know the Browns or the Colts when I just expect them to lose every game. Yeah, and then like after that game one, game two comes around and. I don't know. There's just like a sense of dread every single time the Indians are on defense because you're like, man, they're, this is this is too close. They, they couldn't hit, obviously. We know now. And I was like, I mean, they, they had the lead in game two for a little bit and then the lead in game three for a little bit. And It was 2-1 in the after seventh. After they took the lead. Yeah. After they took the lead, it's just like, all right, well, maybe they got a chance here. And then, but it's, like you said, every time it seems like the defense went out there, or like how long can Carrasco or Clevenger or the bullpen hold this lead? And really it wasn't very long because in the seventh inning, the bullpen, you know, did what they did, had, did what they'd done all year, really. Yeah, it was just a weird feeling. I can't um, really compare it to any other Indian series, regular season or postseason I've ever seen. Well, yeah, because, well, for one, we got swept. And outside of the series against the Yankees in May, the Indians never got swept this year. And not no, even was... swept, just like it looked like a college team. They like so many strikeouts, just no faith on offense. People are freaking out, you know, like, oh, they need to fire the coaches. I'm like, there's only so much you could tell 
Jose Ramirez before he goes to the plate. And if he's just going to flail at pitches and not, you know, be his normal self. But at the same time, I mean, those pitchers were on fire for the Astros. So it was just a, And they still are. I mean, yeah. even against Boston, they're still looking really good. Although Boston did win last night. That was, yeah. I mean, I think Ty Van Berkeleo, uh, the pitching or the hitting coach, he it might have something to do with it. I don't know because, I mean, it's been. They had a good year, though, in the regular season. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I can't, I guess I can't even really say that, but. This is really exactly what happened to them last year in the postseason after game two. They just they've lost six straight postseason games and have barely hit hit in any of those. And there is some stat that someone tweeted out. Um, if you think of them in elimination games, so they lost one this year. Uh, in 2016, obviously they lost game yeah. seven. And, like, games where they could have won the series, too. Yeah. So last year they lost three. 2016 they lost three. 2007, obviously. 2013 was a one-game playoff elimination game. Obviously, like, it's just it's the same old story, and it kind of sucks. Like, you keep thinking, eventually, like, you've seen all these curses break, you know, with the Red Sox and the Cubs. Like, when is it going to be our turn? Yeah, the thing it's, with those teams, though, happening. they're in giant markets. So, like, with the Cubs, they're like, oh, the lovable losers. I'm like, that's, like, the second biggest city <laughs> in the country. So they their ownership group has a little more money. Um, they obviously have no, like, they're not going to not sell tickets when they're losing yeah. to the freaking Cubs. Same thing goes with the Red Sox and the Yankees. They're always going to sell tickets even when they suck. But to your point, Indians don't have that. it does get worrisome because, I mean, we weren't old enough to be really conscious for the run in the 90s, but... This seems pretty similar, but, I mean, you spend all season dominating. 2017, you win 102 games. That was too many. This year, you win 91. That wasn't enough. And then that's the same end result in the postseason. So, like, what is the right recipe during the regular season? It doesn't even matter. It's like... It seems, yeah, I think uh, was it Paul Hoynes wrote something on that in one of his Cleveland articles. Is something about like how the Indians like every time they go into the postseason you know they've gone they've gone while streaking they've gone while losing they've gone while having a wishy-washy season and sometimes it ends success like going to the all the way to game seven of the world series and you know sometimes it's just one and done yeah and the parallels from the 90s like in 95 they clinched a division like super early in September and they went to the world series and lost 97 they snuck in I think with like 80 some wins went to the world series and lost so I'm sure for, you know, fans older than us, millennial Indians fans and above, it's just like you're watching the same horror story over and over. And that's why I don't know about you, but when they lost, I didn't feel like any like rage or sadness. It was almost like a slow march after you saw the way they opened the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and that's, I guess, the best analogy for it, because really this year it felt like I mean, we stayed optimistic on top of it, but really, like, this year did not feel like some of the other years when they went to the postseason. It didn't feel like 2016. There was no magic. It didn't feel like 2017. Yeah, it just the team didn't really have that flair to it. And now, now you're looking at a team that could potentially look very different next year. I mean, Milky Cabrera, Lonnie Chisenhall, and Michael Brantley all impending free I agents. I believe Geyer has a team option, too. It's looking like we could have a completely different outfield in 2019. Well, you think Brantley probably gone... Uh, Leonis Martin claims he could be back. 
but you can't really. Tr- He's not a free agent until next year, but we don't even know. No, I meant, yet. I meant claims he could be back and be healthy. So he'll yeah, be yeah. here, but like they're not going to put him out there if his organs are still recovering because it was very serious. And the end, right field, it's just well, we have Zimmer still, um, Zimmer, which, which we forget about because he was hurt all year. <laughs> so it's like yeah, he's, but he's going to miss time, yeah. you know, into next year as well. Naquin may see some action early on as usual. Mm-hmm. And then I mean, now it's Greg Allen's time, I guess. Probably no Rajay Davis either. No, I mean. I'm sure that they'll re-sign some of the free agents. Like, I don't think they're going to let every single one yeah. of them go. Like, maybe you get Andrew Miller back at a discounted price after his struggles. Maybe Michael Brantley wants to stay, you know. Yeah, Brantley's staying. I don't know how much he would really make on the open market. Like, I don't think it'd be a crazy amount with his injury history. Like, the Indians really stuck by him. I mean, he was under contract, but. Yeah, plus, you got to look at this year's free agent class, too. There's a lot of players that are hitting free agency that could, like, That'll be worth higher prices than Michael Brandon. Yeah, teams are going to spend their whole budget on a Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. But, yeah, t- with the bullpen, too, I was thinking about that during the ALDS. Like, Andrew Miller is not going to get this monster contract. He had his good stretch, and that's when we had him, you know, from Boston New York to us. But now, I mean, he couldn't even hit his spots in the playoff game. He was throwing sliders behind the batter. And it just looked like he was an average reliever. And I'm sure they'll try to keep him, though, if it's cheap. And there's, I mean, there's even when it comes to relief pitchers, like there's a lot of them out there that are on the market that may even call for more than uh, Miller did. I mean, Adam Ottavino is one of them. Yuri Familia, Craig Kimbrell is a free agent after this year. Yeah, their options really are they can either try to retain guys or they can just bring in a lot of new faces. But at the same time, those would have to be cheap faces because of all the money they're paying in raises and arbitration. And if they want any chance of keeping Frankie Lindor, then they're going to need some of that money. He is so underpaid, which is part of the pre-arbitration arbitration system in baseball, but this year I think he's going to get his first big one-year deal. He's not going to be making less than a million dollars anymore. And same thing with Trevor Bauer. He's still in arbitration. You just have a lot of guys who are getting a lot of one-year deals. Well, I, I wrote about that, too, like in the um, an article I just recently posted about the Indians having sustained success for the next coming years. And part of that, I think, it plays into the fact that they have most of their rotation under contract until 2021. And that that point is when Carrasco, Bauer, and Danny Salazar are all eligible for free agency, which Danny Salazar, we completely forget about, might even be back on the team next year. Who knows? Yeah, and I was like, I wrote something about Tristan McKenzie, but like you said, this rotation sets. So really, the starting pitching you don't have to worry about. It's just everyone else. And like looking at their contract table and the salaries, you see like Edwin Encarnacion making so much over twenty million. Kipnis is going to make over fourteen. It's like man, what you know? At the time, both of those signings weren't really that crazy, but now you sit there and you're like, we're Three straight postseason exits, all pretty painful. Like, what could we have done? But then again, it's not our money, so. Yeah, I mean, and that's going to be the question next year, too. Like, if things start off a little rough, what could we have done in free agency? I mean, who knows if we're going to sign any outside free agents? I mean, like I said, there are a lot. Compared to last year's class, I expect free agency to be much louder this year than as less, as quiet as last year's yeah. was. So. so I was asked this question. I want to ask you this really quick. Before I forget it, I was asked on a different podcast, 
what is kind of my general feeling for next regular season? Do you think, well, I'll tell you my answer. My answer was, I think it's going to be, everyone's going to be a little more into it, players included, because we saw what happened this year. Do you think that's the case? Or do you think it's going to be another like slow slog, like just waiting for October, especially if the division's bad? I don't know. Because if we remember 2016, obviously, and how that ended, 2017 also didn't start out the greatest. It seems like this is a kind of a formula for the Indians is they don't always have the greatest start. And we keep making excuses then, for them when they do. <laughs> yeah. And then the second half comes around and all of a sudden it's a completely different team, which is, you know, I mean, you want to play better in the second half. That's what it's for is for improvement and to try and secure your position into the playoffs. So I'm not going to argue with that formula because it does get us in the playoffs. But, yeah, I'd like to see a little more energy come out of them. I mean, it seemed like Frankie Lindor was the only one that cared about anything in the playoffs. No, no one else was really – shooting out there like shooting for the stars that's why it was weird because that's his personality but yeah every time he got a hit i mean he had a home run he was really getting into it and trying to get everyone fired up i saw some tweets from andre not who was down in the dugout saying michael brantley was trying to get guys fired up but it just seemed like everyone was so beaten down on offense and then you have a few mistakes on defense or a few bad pitches you see Corey kluber look more average than his normal self and it's like this is just this might be it. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's a. Like I don't think they're mentally weak as a team. It's just when you're. I mean, anyone who's played baseball, if you're getting shut down by a pitcher, it's really tough to go up there and. I mean, think that you're going to hit a home run, even though a lot of the Indians hitters look like they were trying to hit home runs the whole time. It's it's over now. I mean, at this point, there's nothing we can do with it. I, for one, I'm sure. Like I've heard this from a lot of fans. I'm I'm rooting for the Brewers now. At this point, I think our buddy over there, David Gasper. At, Reviewing the brew deserves himself a World Series if we don't. Because, honestly, no one wants to see the Astros or Red Sox or Dodgers. I was thinking that this weekend because I I caught myself watching the game one of that NLCS and then watching the post game. And I was like, I think I've finally cracked and I will at least watch the NLCS and root for the Brewers. I still have a hard time watching the ALCS. Same thing last year. I just, like, I know the scores, but... It's there's such a lack of rooting interest for me to watch that for like four hours, which is disappointing too because I love watching other baseball games that the Indians aren't in during the regular season. Yeah, once the postseason comes around, then I have really no vested interest in watching. Last year, I, I think I missed even like three games of the World Series because I was so yeah. Upset. Me too. I just I had it on, and it's the people were saying like on Twitter and you know ESPN and everything like this is one of the best World Series. I'm like, well, I'm not watching it, so that, yeah, don't care. I, I got football and no football and hockey. We're on to we're on to the next. But for season. our football teams, I'm a Browns fan. You're a Colts fan. Sunday was miserable. Yeah, it's it's easier to accept that you suck and makes watching it that much easier because you're like, well, I don't expect to win, so whatever True. happens, happens. And I've gotten to that point now with the Colts. Lightning, on the other hand, looking looking pretty good so far. So I'm excited for hockey season. But on the topic of baseball, if looking forward now into the off season, are there any free agents that you would like to see the Indians really pursue? Maybe. See, I was also asked this question, and I haven't thought about it because I don't know what their available salary is going to be. So I'm looking at, I think Jordan Bastian said, like, they might have, like, $33 million in arbitration and $17 million via raises coming. But, so at, at that point, you have all these guys, I mean, this is the team that they built with all these multi-year contracts. So 
I mean, you have Kipnis eating up almost $15 million at second base. I, I haven't even considered anyone they could sign. I mean, I've... I mean, and looking over it, you're not going to, like, they're not going to get any infielders. There's no, no reason yeah. for them to pursue an infielder. It's going to be outfielders. And when you look at the outfielders, the available free agents, I mean, the big names are obviously Bryce Harper, McCutcheon, A.J. Pollock, uh, Marwin Gonzalez, and then Michael Brantley. Those are really your big outfielder names. There's a couple, like, cheaper, older options that will be out there. but I just don't want another Melky Cabrera, Brandon Geyer platoon. Yeah, yeah no, it's... If we're realistically looking at outfielders for the Indians to pursue in the offseason, they should they might as well re-sign Michael Brantley because there's really no one else out there. He actually has the uh, on, on the subject. He actually has the tie for the highest WAR among free agent outfielders. So, I mean, if there's one guy you're going to go after, you might as well go with the guy that you know. And if you have him and left Zimmer in center, if he can stay healthy for once, that kind of gives you. You know, you, some options and right. You don't have to, since center field is going to be cheap, you don't have to go after the Melky Cabreras. You can maybe take a younger talent, pay him a little yeah, extra, think, and a multi year deal. I think right field is the big place to look. Uh, Jason Hayward is a right fielder that's available, and he's relatively young. I think he's 29, so he's one that I could like to see the Indians pursue. But then again, like you said, it's, you know, it's all about the salary, and we don't really know what salary they have, nor will we find out anytime soon so i mean it's really going to come down to the arbitration cases with the raises they're going to get bauer's going to get a humongous raise after this season so is lindor like they've been essentially saving tens of millions of dollars on lindor since he's not on a big extension with his arbitration years so yeah i mean and now I'm, I'm pulling up the arbitration cases that we have here now i mean trevor bauer is one of them um Landis Martin is actually eligible mm-hmm. for arbitration, but, you know, it's possible he could be a free agent as well. Brandon Barnes is yeah. another guy who's arbitration eligible who could be someone who gets some playing time next year. Uh, Nick Goody and Cody Anderson. I haven't seen Cody Anderson in uh, two years. Yeah, and then Nick Goody obviously was hurt for the final quarter of this year. So that'll be interesting to see how it affects their their value. And then, I mean, yeah, those are some big names that you have on there. And then we can't forget, like, Mike Napoli's still on this team. <laughs> He is. Yeah, he's he's not eligible for free agency. I don't think. Actually, is he eligible? He's got to be eligible. But uh, I mean, they must assign him for a. He might just deal. be on the 2018 table. Do you think we just retire him at this point? Is it time for? Who knows? Like, Imagine if he took up some playing time next year over like a Yandy Diaz or like Bobby Bradley. If any of them got a shot, people would and, people's and heads would explode. explode. Yeah, that's that's some nasty business that we don't need to get into. Um. And then I, I think Oliver Perez is also a free agent that's coming up. So, I mean, you get Adam Simber and you get... You get Brad Hand Brad back Hand. in. And Adam Simber actually, I think, looked pretty good there in the postseason for his few appearances. Brad Hand struggled a little bit, but, I mean, he's still going to be a big part of the bullpen next year. But you're losing three big arms still with Andrew Miller, Cody Allen, and Oliver Perez. You've got to think that the Indians at least try to re-sign one of them. I like to lean toward them focusing on Miller... But since Allen's been here his whole career, that would seem like an Indian's move. And especially with his comments after the season saying he basically sucked, you don't know if he'll, like, take a hometown discount. An agent wouldn't advise that, but I think baseball's a little different, where at that point in his career, if it's, like, a difference of a million or two million dollars, he might just say, you know what, I'm going to stay here, I'm comfortable here. Yeah, I, 
I personally would like to see Cody Allen stick around. I know there's a lot of people out there that wouldn't. A lot of people don't like Cody Allen. But if you have Brad Hand as your closer, then Cody Allen doesn't have to have that big role. Yeah. He's, I just think he's the scapegoat, obviously, for everything bad that happens to the Indians, much like... um, Brian Shaw. Yeah. I I drew a blank on the name there. Thank you. You blacked him out. Brian Shaw was right before he left. I I blocked him out. (laughs) I don't... I try not to think about that part of my life. That was a dark, dark time. I mean, had to he didn't even make the Rockies postseason roster this year. That is, and they paid him a lot. Hey, good he for him. He made a good amount of money to go there. He got, probably, he got checks in October for, like, just an absurd amount of money just to sit in the dugout with a sweatshirt on. I love that. I mean, I, I feel bad for the guy, obviously. Like, had a tough time, tough year in Colorado. But it's good to know that he didn't just struggle with us. That's also it's the like, toughest park to pitch in. So if you're a reliever and you're yeah. trying to boost your value, you probably shouldn't go there. That was that was the big offseason narrative and early season narrative. It was like, well, the Indians' bullpen's going to struggle because they don't have Brian Shaw anymore. Well, Brian Shaw didn't do, <laughs> didn't do too well. So, uh, And the same thing goes with Carlos Santana. I mean, I love Carlos, but he's... Not worth $20 like million. Exactly, dollars. Yeah. Uh, it's not like he exactly blew everybody away. I mean, he had a season equivalent to that of Yonder Alonso. So. I think Santana Which, just had a slow start. Alonso had a bad finish. Yeah, Alonzo was I still think was a steal like for the price that we got and it was a great contract. I mean he's still under, still have him for another year and then a third year player. He's option. making about half of what Kipnis is making. So if you want to compare money and about a third of Encarnacion, <laughs> you got to credit Chernoff for making that deal. Speaking of Chernoff, uh, the news came out yesterday that he will decline to interview for the Mets position after he supposedly emerged as a. Favorite, well, he's a New Jersey to, guy. I'm pretty sure. Post. Yeah. And according to the New York Post, he was the uh, the favorite to be the president of baseball ops for uh, the Mets, which is a position that Chris Antonetti took after he was the GM for the Indians. He got promoted to there, and that's why how Mike Chernoff became the GM. But Chernoff, turning turn him down. That would be – I mean, he, what's he? Is he 37 years old? I think I saw a headline. Yeah, something, he, that, something around If you have a cushy job like GM of the Indians and you know your job security is really good – Going to New York would be very difficult because say Hell. he fails there, he gets fired. Yeah. It's, what's he going to do, take another GM job? As soon as you take that promotion. The media chairs him up. I mean, the New York media will just tear him oh, up yeah. at that point. And then you get going again. And, I mean, like you, you saw what happened with uh, Mickey Calloway when he was there. It just wasn't a great situation early on. They expect on. people to go in there and win a World a Series right away. But, meanwhile, they couldn't even manage their roster. It's doubled with the success of the Yankees and then the Mets are the counter to that. So, But this is actually the second time that Ante, or, um, Chernoff has turned down a job because he, he got offered the GM position for the Padres back in 2014. See, I would take that job. You live in San Diego. He, turn, he turned that one down. You go to baseball games at 75 he's, degrees every day. Yeah. I but he's also got a family, he, too. So, I mean, when you're talking, yeah, that's, it's that not like it's a player where he's like, I have to take this money. Mm. If he's getting paid and he's getting paid six figures – like probably high six figures, so you're not gonna. Ju- if you have a family here, like what? That's a dream job if you like baseball. Yeah, and it's a, he's got three younger kids. I think he's not gonna yeah, put him in. He's got a wife here. Move so. to Queens and <laughs> live the New York life as a almost forty year old man. No, no, three young kids. I I personally would not. I, I don't think I would ever settle down in New York for city. Yeah, that's not a place you go it's when you're older. It's a place you go young then move out. Yeah. But, and then I mean, you had the possible reunion if he did go reunite with Mickey Callaway, which 
we miss him dearly. But I'm sure Mickey Callaway was advocating for him. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's still got a lot to work with there in New York. I mean, I, I, the Mets still have, a, I think, a couple of big key free agents coming up, but not a cushy job over there. I think this shows Cleveland is the place. This shows where we're at in terms of how low we feel about the Indians where we're talking about their GM. Like Mike Chernoff is never mentioned during the season. It's always Chris Antonetti or Terry Francona with roster decisions, and it's like, well, Chernoff staying. So, and you have people like waving a little flag, (laughs) like woohoo! In my little, in my little over a year of writing for Believe in Ball, I don't think I have ever mentioned Mike Chernoff's name one time until today. When I was just scrounging for news, I was like, all right, what do we get to talk about? Ooh, something happened. Something, I, I Googled the Cleveland Indians, and it was something not about us losing the AL. AL That's game. the glamorous job of uh, bloggers. A lot of people don't realize you got to do the dirty work and find the stories that uh, find every story possible, especially in October when your team's not playing. And it's not like the Indians are find rebuilding stories, or something yeah. where we're talking about that. Yeah. Find the stories or try to stir up opinions. That's, Hot takes. That's another big one that we're taking on. I actually did an article about hot takes yesterday. That was well-received, I suppose, because a lot of people were like, well, some of these takes hold some ground. I mean, they're not going to fire Terry Francona. Stop telling the team to fire Terry Francona. Yeah, I read that, and all those takes, I've seen them all. What was one? Andrew Miller's bad. I See, I feel weird. So you, that type of article is going to get some probably expected feedback i wrote one about how josh donaldson's time here is forgettable because he only played in 16 regular season games and couldn't hit in the playoffs and i went to the dredges of the facebook comments and people were like well it was memorable for me and i'm like well that doesn't mean it's memorable for everyone and then i saw people posting someone commented with his slash line it's like 280 400 520 and i'm like it was in 16 games the whole point of, like, at least Jay Bruce had big hits during their winning streak and he had a walk-off of the postseason. Josh Donaldson took up the five spot in the order, and Yandy Diaz could have done better at that spot. Yeah, that's exactly my comment. Like, Yandy Diaz, with a fairly similar sample size, played just as well, if not better. And it's not even hindsight. People have been calling for Yandy to be at third base for two years. And he comes in his first at-bat in the playoffs and rips a single. Yeah, I mean... He's not getting, like, the home run power that everyone's been hoping for. I think, what, he got his first home run this year, and that was it? Yeah, he's one. a line drive hitter. Yeah. It's, it's not the home run power everyone's going to hope for, like, from a guy that freaking size, but... If he hits 300, you know, who cares? He's consistent. Yeah, if he's still drawing walks left and right, and he hits 300, and he's got a couple doubles from line drives off the wall, then I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, he should have been out there. I, I, was, I think I'm going to write about that soon. I just think it's funny... How you can just say, like, yeah, you know, Donaldson, you know, didn't really produce in the playoffs. And the first res- people, like, defend him like it's their son or something. I'm like, he didn't do that well. I'm sorry that. Yeah, he wouldn't even hear that long. What do yeah, you like? he's going to go down. Like, him and Jay Bruce are, like, trivia question answers. Same with Coco Crisp coming back in 2016. Like, Kenny Lofton in 2007. These, like, these waiver deals, I'm not saying he's horrible, but he didn't do what he was supposed to do. Jay Bruce is one I felt a lot better about. I actually liked Jay Bruce a lot. And he was here for almost two full months. Yeah. With his stint in Cleveland, I actually liked a lot more. And then I, know I still love him trying to succeed over there in the, in the Mets. Sadly, he's just stuck with the Mets. But, yeah, he's, 
I I would also agree with you that Josh Donaldson's climb Cleveland really wasn't. That didn't great. think it I, was a hot I, take. Don't agree with it. Yeah, people don't agree with it. So what? It's it's our website. Yeah, I, I it, it got a lot of traction. Feel. I'm like I. That's what happens this time of year. You write something, and there's not a lot of Indians pieces up, and then you just put a simple take out, and people are ripping it apart. Like, you're, oh yeah, just ask uh, Matt and Brandon about it. Oh yeah. From what I recall, they've gotten a lot of hate on some of their posts. Like you could say, you know, uh, the Indians. You know, should do this with Francisco Lindor. You fifty percent of people telling you you're dumb, fifty percent agreeing. You could write lukewarm takes about Terry Francona. That's a big conversation starter. I said he shouldn't be fired, and that was apparently a hot take. I uh, I haven't gone on the Facebook comments yet to see like any replies to my articles, but I've actually done some fairly hot topics on some of my articles that I feel like might have received some hate. So I appreciate you going through the Facebook comments to find those for us and keeping me clear of doing that it's miserable it's it's almost worse than the games themselves i mean the twitter replies aren't that bad i haven't no we have some good interactions on twitter yeah it's just facebook when they come out in droves and unfortunately they are responsible for most of our views so our our page views and reads so we have to we have to sift through the facebook comments because the people they're they're fans it'd be like if radio stations stopped taking calls yeah. It's the same thing. Same to, demographic of people. Not to hate on all Facebook commenters, but a lot of the most liked comments that get like pushed up are the craziest ones. Uh, I want... We should do this. For the sake of like showtime. Let's do, uh, starting with the next show, pick top four or five Facebook comments. I like that. That are egregious, and we'll read them on air. And we'll talk about them. We won't say the names, mean, though, because yes. people attach their full names to crazy comments. I'll never yeah. understand that. Yeah, we don't need to do that. But And this is not mean to anyone who's listening to go and comment the craziest thing possible just so they get read right on air. All right? We want genuine feedback, and we will read it on air very anonymously and very spitefully. I like that. I think we could wrap it up before we, get to, uh, before we start pulling up Facebook yeah. comments. That's our tease. That will be our tease. That's our good product placement there it's a tease for the next show facebook comment reading will be our first official segment on the believe in ball podcast it only took us seven episodes to get a segment yeah, that. yeah another task is to leave us a review on itunes we have nine five-star reviews which is very cool some people even left comments so we appreciate that that uh, makes us feel good inside and also helps our podcast get discovered by more people we have a pretty solid listener base so far um Hopefully we can get people through the dreary winter. Well, up here, not in Florida. We're here to keep you warm. Yeah, yeah. we're here to keep you warm. I, I, I will shed my Sunshine State wealth upon you. So, yeah, I think that wraps it yeah, up. Yeah, leave a review, tell your friends, play it loudly at work, and we will be back sometime next week. We might have a little different schedule because it's the off season and we're waiting for news just like everyone else. But we will be back next week. Just wait for it. It'll definitely be on a weekday, on a work day. So if you're on your commute or you're at work listening, then still you can expect it on a regular work day for 30 minutes of your life. All right. We will see you next week. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. 
With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.